Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favourite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 59 of Casual Watch Talk and Chris is on vacation this week so I've got a new co-host just for this week and it's Ben from Ben's Watch Club, thanks for joining me Ben. No problem at all Sam, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, it's uh, an exciting new audio opportunity for me I guess. Yep, so we'll be in audio and video for this episode. So Ben, give us an intro to your channel. I know it's one of my favourites, but for anyone that's not familiar with you. So my channel's just called Ben's Watch Club, named after myself, Ben. Um, On my channel, we generally explore the world of affordable watches. We're on a quest to find the ultimate best value for money watch, essentially, as well as covering some other highly hyped up options that maybe don't quite deliver. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i think i uh definitely enjoy the the ones where um like the paganis and things like that where you give them the a really proper review instead of so, somewhat glowing ones that you see maybe on a few other channels but yeah we try and be 100 percent transparent that's the name of the game in my channel no, no well i say no bias as little bias as possible and uh certainly no bs well, let's kick this off with uh, Chris and I like to do a wristwatch check to start with. So what are you what are you wearing today? Well, funnily enough, I'm wearing a Casio. Let me see if I can get a good shot of that for the viewers. Um, I recently reviewed this. I think it's the most recent review as of recording this. Um, the code for it, absolutely terrible code from Casio so I think it's LCWM100TSA TSE-1AER I'm impressing myself for remembering that and for our audio listeners it's a Annie Digi isn't it but more like a sort of sports yeah. watch kind of it's like formal a watch grey analog digital yeah it's um really nice looking watch actually it's uh, titanium feels a bit light so you might, may think it feels a bit cheap at first but um when you got it on wrist it's Really comfortable. Looks great as well for considering the price. What about yourself? Well, yeah. So our main topic, if you've not guessed it by now, and I've probably put this in the title anyway, is going to be talking about Casio watches. And I've not covered a lot on my channel, although I'll talk about some of my original videos when I started out on YouTube that were Casio. But I'm wearing my grandfather's Casio watch. It's an LCD watch from 1976, and it is still going strong. Regular viewers, you see it in all of my collection reviews. The only thing that's uh, gone on it is the tiny little bulb that it has. But I- I'm amazed. I mean, I can't imagine even when Casio made this in the 70s that they'd imagine that it would last till, you know, 2021. Wow, that is insane. That was that almost 50 years of service. And that's a very early one for that type of technology as well, really. When my granddad bought this, when it first ever came out and and this is probably the theme that we'll be having with Casio but in the 70s when Casio bought these LCDs out it was like a revolution I think in the watch world absolutely I mean the first I was actually looking up about this the other day you know uh, the the history of like the digital watches and I believe it was Pulsar in 72 maybe released the first ever sort of digital watch so that wasn't much after that really 
when you think about it that way. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, I, I'm really interested to to talk about Casio because it definitely got me into watches when I was a kid. But a bit about. I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody that's not familiar with Casio, but. Uh, just a bit about them. They've been going since 1946, and originally they were known for creating the fully electric calculators, which, of course, like I even remember them at school. And they still predominantly make those um, calculators. And of course, they went into all sorts musical instruments, digital cameras, and everything. But when I was a kid, and this was sort of, I'm aging myself here, but 80s, early 90s. It was a real heyday for Casio, I feel like, that every watch that came out was like a revolution, I think. The stuff, the technology they were putting into to watches in those days. Absolutely amazing stuff, and it's got everything that you need for every single day a lot of those watches have. Because you don't really need more than what's in some of them. I mean, obviously some of these super expensive models, they absolutely turbocharge them, don't they? And uh, pack them with everything under the sun, including stuff that... Um, Unless you're a fighter pilot, you probably will never use. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think when I was a kid, I remember having... I had a friend who had the one that had the put your finger on it and it would measure your pulse. I don't Have you seen that one? No, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. No. Uh, this was probably two decades before <laughs> the Apple Watch. I think it had a light sensor in it that you held your finger on and it would take your pulse for you. I'll have to, I'll throw up a picture here for the, uh, the Unbelievable. video. Unbelievable. I didn't think that te- sort of technology... I didn't even know that existed now, apart from in like the latest smartwatches of the last eight to ten years. That's amazing. Yeah, no, they had that one. And then, of course, the the watch that... I, well, there was two watches that I always wanted uh, from Casio. And first was one that was the original one that had all the sensors on it, the barometer, the compass, and the altimeter on it. And then the one that I did get, and I'm, I keep toying with the idea of buying it again, is the TV remote control watch. Would that still work in 2021? Would it still be the same technology so you can change the channel or or not? I mean, I think it would. Uh, It it was infrared. I think it was infrared. And I know some of the Apple TVs and that are using like a Bluetooth low energy, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah, I guess it would work. I, I think the thing that was so pioneering about it was you... Have you ever seen one of these? Do you know how it worked? I know. I, I can't say I've ever seen one of them. I've seen uh, all sorts, but I can't say I've um, seen one of them now. It looked like a big, bigger version of the calculator watch. And in fact, it was also a calculator watch. And it had preset sort of schemas in it, I suppose, or profiles for a TV. But if your TV wasn't there, you could actually program it by holding your TV remote control up against the watch and you would press the corresponding... It was it was like a revolution at the time. You press the corresponding buttons and it would learn. So it would read the signal and program itself and then you could do it. So this, honestly, this led to much mischief on when it was like a a rain day and you were watching TV at school or they put one of those educational films on because it would also do anything that was... You could program it to do anything that was infrared. All sorts of ways to troll the teachers, isn't there? Yeah. I remem- Any way possible. And also to cheat on maths tests as well. Exactly. Yeah, I, I remember uh, definitely putting the volume up and down and really... Uh, really being uh, mischievous with the with the tv and school but at the time it was i keep toying with the idea of buying another one just for nostalgia reasons but they they go for a lot of money now two or three hundred dollars on on ebay there's so many models as well would you be able to find the exact one again like there's like thousands of casios isn't there they spam these things out like non-stop and it's got to the stage 
where that might not actually be helping like too much in the modern digital age, like with uh, tons and tons of models, because they still kind of do that. They're still like releasing tons of models and then not really marketing any of them and relying on channels like ours to like promote the watches. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely weird, isn't it? So we'll we'll try and we'll try and frame this up a bit. So let's talk about I just did a bit about old school Casio, but I I think of Casio in three distinct areas. There's the the digital watches they have, then there's the extremely affordable analog watches, and then you've got obviously ed, a Casio edifice and then we can't talk about Casio without talking about G-Shock. I know your sweet spot is the affordable digital and analog one. So what originally drew you to that to the point where you started making watch content on on those ones? Yeah, it's funny you should ask that actually, because that was one of my very first videos. I think it was the first video on the Ben's Watch Club channel was about the A158, which is like the original uh, looking silver one. It's like the, the most successful silver one. It's the equivalent to the F91, but silver, basically, with slightly different looks. Uh, it's been one that I always wanted, because I like the, the kind of retro look, which has come back somewhat with some of these uh, Netflix shows and stuff like that. The retro looks come back into fashion. Um, and also, my dad always had an F91 anyway, and his finally broke at some point just before then, and it was the black F91... And then he was like, oh, can you find me another one of these on Amazon Prime? And I was like, oh, okay then, Dad, because he doesn't have an Amazon Prime account and he's not exactly internet savvy. So I went on and I just found, like, there's thousands of different options for these Casios. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to make some sort of watch channel, there's, like, a million to choose from on here as well. And I know the last 20-odd years, like that one previously did with my dad's, the 20 years out of an F91 without breaking, and it... It ran out of battery, I think, once or twice during the entire 20 years, and he replaced it, and then it finally went, something to do with the display, finally died off. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to get him one, and I'm going to get one as well, I'm going to get that the silver-looking one, and it um, kind of snowballed from there, because for the price, they're unbeatable. There must be some of the objective, like, best value for money, like, per dollar, compared to lots of other watches, even though other watches are got better features better build quality it's it's hard to beat a casio the f91 is i think it's so legendary i remember it fading away and then early 2000s when they came out with the metal versions i feel like there was a huge resurgence in that vintage sort of nostalgia for the 1980s and 90s with them yeah the, the benefit with the silver ones is they're just a lot more wearable and more versatile with day-to-day stuff. I mean, I guess on a versatility level, in terms of practicality at least, the black version is probably superior because I guess there's the old adage, it goes with everything. And yeah, the silver ones, it's no wonder to me that they're so popular because they have a bit more of that retro look about them with the silver and then all the the different bright colours. And they're a bit more versatile and they look less dad-like than the black ones. I think the black resin ones, they look cheaper. And while they're more practical, they don't stand out as much. So it's no wonder that the youngsters have been jumping on all these uh, silver ones because they're equally as cheap, really. And 
my gosh, do they rip out the arm hairs? But we can uh, talk about that one later. <laughs> one that I found surprising on your channel that I'd not seen before is there's a slim version of the watch, isn't there? Uh, almost. So, yeah, they, they do a, um, a recently released one, I think 2019, it came out. Uh, the A700, I'm guessing that's the one you're thinking of. Uh, super thin. It must be at least a third thinner than the F91. And it's really nice and sleek. That's probably my favorite one overall out of the Casio Digital ones because it looks nice and sleek. And I've always thought if you can have a battery-powered watch, you might as well make it look as slim and sleek as possible, really. It's the advantage of the technology, isn't it? I don't know if they were the first, but I remember them having watches that had five-year battery lives and things like that. They they really, like, optimized the digital functionality to be, like, low energy before that was even a thing, I feel like. Yeah, they've got... Um insane battery life some of them although to be honest that model I think it's a bit less than average it's only about three years but some of the others they say they really do this casio they they under pitch some of the specs sometimes they say it's like five year battery life but you'll see countless instances of them lasting 15 years on, on the battery and then in other cases with the water resistance they'll only label them all at three bar I don't know whether that's to cover themselves in case someone's someone's breaks. I'm not sure. But then you'll see people scuba diving in them. So they obviously perform slightly better than that. We'll get to one of their dive watches in a minute. But uh, I, before we leave the kind of Casio digital thing, their use in pop culture is, I mean, they'll be forever known as the calculator watch. They'll be forever known as Back to the Future. And it's incredible that they still make that model. It's still a production model, that calculator one. Well, it's really good. It shows that at least in some cases, they're sticking with the ones that sell the best because that doesn't always seem to be the case either. Sometimes they just randomly discontinue ones that people found popular. And we've seen that with other brands as well. I mean, like Seiko have been known to do that repeatedly, which is frustrating as a consumer. Maybe it makes them more money. I I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it's uh, iconic is definitely the word to go with, isn't it? Yeah, they're so iconic that maybe even in another 20 years they'll still be making them, even though the people buying them then will never have seen these movies in the 80s or never have been born. I mean, I was born in, what, 93? And I still got it, so it says something, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then the um, they had the, the calculator one, and then they, when they went with the, the data bank watches, which they still produce today, but they've long... This is, I think this is one of the themes with Casio, is they still make watches that you think would have been surpassed by other watches like the the data bank you think an apple watch does far more than that but they're obviously still making them and knocking them out at 50 dollars or something which is incredible for those i wonder if the target markets maybe like less developed countries or some of them potentially yeah. i'm not sure because although they are considered like the original smartwatch aren't they casio is given the massive functionality but it will be interesting to see the demographics of where they're selling and, and how they change, which is something really interesting because me and Phoebe, we look at um, different countries and what they're selling in different countries on like Amazon and, and whatever websites. And it varies massively, especially with some of the more affordable brands, the ranges and also uh, the, the individual styles are quite substantially different uh, from area to area. There's plenty in India, for example, that you'd just never see in the US or the UK. So I wonder if um, maybe the targeting less developed areas who could then afford 
one of them where they might not be able to afford like an, an Apple watch, for instance. Yeah, I remember I had one of those data bank watches and it was a you could store phone numbers in it. Like it was excruciating to put them in because you had to like tab through the letters and stuff. But yeah, and then you've got to remember as well if you need to touch it ever again, you have to remember off the top of your head all the functions and which button to press in which order. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was so, I remember it just being so cool at the time and it's, and I was a, oh God, I was, probably i don't know a, a 12 or something when i had one so all this idea of storing information on a watch i felt like sort of a james bond or something like that with a really cool like multifunctional watch i think that was the cool thing with casios is it it, it made you feel like a bit of a spy i think some of the advanced uh, functionality that they had on them go go gadget watch feels like you got a computer on your wrist to a limited extent i suppose especially yeah. back then especially exactly especially back then where that was pre like palm pilots and pre you know the apple newton and all sorts of stuff but well so we've covered the the digital stuff now one of the i I, and i don't know whether it's because we're sort of watch youtubers and we're in a lot of watch forums one of the entry-level dive watches that casio do if if you've got one then you know how good they are but they don't casio joro i think could possibly be the best value dive watch across any brand let alone uh, casio absolutely especially for the price i mean it's a shame we can't get it cheaper in the uk it's um must only be 40 to 60 dollars in the us am i right whereas in the uk it's more like closing in on 100 pounds which is quite a substantial difference but even at that price, it's not a bad watch. And that's the thing that's really saying something with the level of the finishing, which was hilarious. I put that watch, I reviewed a Filippo Loretti and I compared the finishing on that watch to a Casio Duro, which was a fifth of the retail price. And they were spouting how their finishing was so incredible. Put it up against this Casio. Casio blows out the water and it's a fifth of the cost. So it's not just like the function with some of their watches either. Like some of them have pretty good finishing for the price as well it's not just that they're made of steel for instance or that they've got a certain type of glass they actually look nice as well some of them oh yeah that that juro that i reviewed on the channel had brushing and polishing on the case which you associate with the luxury a luxury what i don't understand why they went to the effort of doing it i mean it looks cool and i'm glad they did but like a lot of other brands would make a real song and dance about about it I mean, I'd love to see what other ones they could release because I'm not aware of that many dive watches. I did a dive watch roundup recently and Casio was one of the brands featured and I only found one other that was dive style kind of watch. It was only 100 meters. I say only 100 meters water resistance as if anyone listening to this goes scuba diving. But uh, (laughs) it wasn't um, quite as bulky and chunky. That was an edifice one which was really nice as well. But apart from that, I really struggled to find, you know, that many other Casios. I was looking myself to see if I could pick one up because I'd like a smaller option, you know. They make so many of these smaller watches, don't they? Like 35 mil, sometimes 38 mil, especially with the smaller digitals. I wish that they made a diver, like a 39 mil diver. It would be incredible. Yeah, they seem to have... Seiko seems to have taken that mantle. Of course, uh citizen as well they that's their thing isn't it the pro master type watches that they have at that entry level point that quartz dive watch i think cassie could take some of the market share if they just made more i mean i'm surprised they haven't because the duro is so popular why would you not want to release like a 
like a not necessarily a better version, but maybe a more updated version with a different dial on it or something, or in a slightly different shape, tool size case. I think that would go down really well. I, I totally agree with you. Actually, uh, it's one of the confusing things I think about Casio is that, well, first of all, they were such a pioneer technology-wise, even up until very, very recently when they had, when the first Edifice watches came out and they had the Bluetooth sync on them. I mean, I had one of those and it worked pretty well, actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that they haven't gone into like, I mean, as far as I know, they haven't gone into like small watches, have they, Casio? Yeah, they have. But the reason, yeah, the reason you've not heard about them is they largely flopped pro trek watch and they really had a good go at it they had a couple of models but you can reg i mean even there uh, there's a if anybody's not familiar there's a casio have their own sort of clearance website um and they were knocking i mean originally they were 500 dollars, and they were practically giving them away by the end i think this is one of the things that i think is really confusing about the brand they were such pioneers in technology but then when the technology came knocking at their door the smartwatch they just they, they just didn't do a good job of it. But maybe they don't need to. What do you think? Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't currently. This is one of the things that it's uh, painful to say with some of these uh, older watch brands, especially the more affordable ones, those that have been around delivering the best value for the longest time. Are the new generations going to be buying these watches? I mean, that's kind of a little bit what my channel is trying to do as well, is trying to get new people into watches, into good watches as well not the complete garbage that you see all over social media and i am slightly concerned that a lot of young people aren't going to go for like a casio and that the audience for them over time might may well be dying off at the moment you may still have uh, the other markets in the world like i mentioned before so maybe they're they're still getting plenty of sales in international markets where they may not have been like 30 40 years ago but I certainly think that they need to step up their design. I've noticed finally in the UK, I think we're able to buy directly from the Casio website now, which only, I don't know if you've had that in the US before, but that was definitely only a recent thing in the UK. Hmm. Before, it, the online website was a complete and utter disaster. You, you couldn't find anything. It was a mess. I mean, it still looks like something out of 2002, but I guess they're trying to make progress, but is it going to be fast enough because it's hyper competitive these days not just in watches but in business yeah I, I totally agree and this is one of the other confusing things i feel like with casio is that they do such a good job and even better than i would say almost any other brand that does outdoors watches basically but they do such a good job of g-shock and promoting it but let let yeah, they don't really do that with the Pro Trek watches they have. With the, I mean, Edifice to a certain extent they do because they had that Red Bull partnership, which I'm sure was lucrative. Yes, yes, they did. Yeah, but yeah, I know what you mean. Other than that, when do you ever hear any any marketing at all? And I know that that's that product speaks for itself and all that stuff. And Casio watches are fantastic, but it's getting to the stage I think with lots of businesses with all the economic troubles in the Western world where. Maybe that isn't going to come for enough. It's got to be, like, desirable. And who's heard of Edifice outside of the watch community? I can't see any of my mates have heard of Edifice. 
even though they're great watches. They they are great watches. They if you compare them, I suppose, against their a similar competitor like Citizen with their Blue Angels tie-in and things like that, the marketing that they do around those watches is it's night and day for versus Casio. Even though, as you say, the watches are a comparable quality. I'm the same because it feels like some of the watches that for Casio do really well. They kind of fell into it, like the the F ninety one you mentioned. Definitely. They got these like one off successful watches, and they often don't follow up on them. I know they followed up a bit with the F ninety one over the course of a couple of decades yeah. with random other variants and stuff. But if they land on a successful one, like the Duro, for instance, there was also this like minimalist one they released a few years back, and then they just discontinued it within what seemed like twelve months. That one. That one got loads of traction, at least on my video, and there was not much chatter about it online because it received no marketing. Um, and then they pulled the plug. I'm not sure how many sales they were getting, but they sold out instantly after my video went live, and I only had a few thousand subs. Like People loved the watch because it's like a Daniel Wellington, but for a better specs for a, what must have been a third of the price, maybe less. Yeah, that was a really in. That was one of my videos, that the videos that you did that I found really interesting because I, like you, was amazed that Daniel Wellington was knocking out just very, very, very basic quartz watches from Alibaba, and yet you had a Casio that was. Was it much cheaper? Uh, it, I know the specs. Oh, it was were significantly cheaper. I mean, it was at the time. I think I bought mine for thirty-eight, thirty-nine quid. Stainless steel, sapphire crystal. Came with a leather strap, just a rubbish leather strap, but they're all rubbish, aren't they? These sorts of prices. Um, compared to Daniel Wellington with stainless steel construction, worse crystal with just mineral, and with an equally bad strap. And depending on where you got it from, at the time they weren't available cheap on Amazon like they are now. I think nowadays you can get them for about 80 quid on Amazon in the UK, 80 pounds. But back then, you were talking minimum 150. Yeah. The cheapest you could get them unless you bought them used. So that's a difference of 100. You can buy multiple of the other one then. You can buy almost four of them for the same price. And then they just discontinued it. Yeah. So, it's a shame. They've missed the boat with those because a lot of the, the fashion watches, I feel like they could have done a much better job at, at them. Yeah, it was a half-baked effort for sure. They, they've got a couple of others still left, but they're specced down versions. They don't look quite as good. Uh, and the advantage with that other one was it was nice and thin. And I think that's one of the things they could really play into because lots of these youngsters, they like them as a fashion accessory, at least to start with, before they ever come into watches. And one of the things they always look for is to be nice and thin because they don't want it to get in the way of their outfit. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum who people who love G-Shocks, I guess, which are massive. But uh, at least that, from what I saw, people tended to go for the thinner watches and they haven't got that many left now because they just randomly discontinued them. Yeah, I think they should. They could take a leaf out of Timex's book because I feel like Timex really invented itself again over the last couple of years. Definitely. Yeah, Timex has completely reinvented itself. They're the, one of the only heritage brands, I think, that have done a good job with their social media over the course of the last, well, since the last recession, really, since 2008, because that's when everyone had to book their ideas up. And um, yeah, they've finally been doing a good job online with social media, putting a marketing effort, not just behind the flagship watch, but behind multiple watches as well. And they've all been selling. I suppose we we have to sort of cover this. And a, a brand that 
of theirs, G-Shock, which is almost night and day versus the way they market that. I mean, originally G-Shock was made as a, a rugged outdoors watch. And I made this comment, I re- recently reviewed a, a Luminox, and I made this comment about Luminox that they should take a kind of a page out of G-Shock's book where make one that is fashionable as well as rugged. And I think that's what G-Shock like really just ran and ran with and crossed the boundary between outdoors adventure watch and fashion yeah and pop culture absolutely especially with the tons of colors they're releasing you even see people with super thin wrists still wearing g-shock there's this youtuber called dave 2d who is often seen wearing a g-shock and he's really short and he's got a really thin wrist but he doesn't care because he just wants to wear a g-shock so that shows people are buying it not just because they think it's a good product to the buying it, even if it isn't appropriate for their wrist size, really. Yeah. So it shows that their marketing must be working. And you're right with um, that other brand you mentioned. I think, to be to be fair, <laughs> for big watches, I think Invicta do quite a good job, at least in the marketing, while I don't like any of the, well, say any of their designs, a massive proportion of their designs I don't like. But they're selling in bucket loads, from what I can tell. And... Um, they, they must be marketing them well, and they're big watches too, so there's plenty of uh, inspiration out there for sure. Yeah, and, and G-Shock is really... Uh, you'll find most watch collectors have at least one G-Shock in their collection because the quality is there. They're affordable, although the prices have definitely been creeping up, haven't they, I feel like. Um, and then they've jumped on this trend, which recent years is... I suppose it's like a double-edged sword, but they jumped on this trend of having limited editions, haven't they? So we just had the John Mayer on Hodinkee limited edition G-Shock. They, they know what they're doing, just like Timex have been doing as well with regards to that. It makes me just wonder why they don't try it with more. Maybe they think that they'd be spread too thin by promoting multiple lines, or maybe they think in the old way that they'd be cannibalizing sales from their other line, which is what lots of these companies think, isn't it? They think they're going to take away sales from their other products, which is a very um, amateurish way to think. You've got to want to take more of the pie, I think. Yeah, exactly. And the one thing that also that they, I don't think Casio have tried yet, except for with G-Shock, is what Seiko's doing with Grand Seiko. The G-Shocks now, there's some that are well over $1,000, isn't there? There's some that they've hand-making almost, and they have they have special... Um, finishes they apply master of g one of them is isn't it that i've seen that one for at least 800 because uh they're the ones with the supercharged features even more water resistance and stuff like that do you think they'd get away with something like that a casio if they bought out a casio watch that was similar to grand seiko like exceptionally well finished which we know they could they could do i think they could do that yeah i mean they'd struggle obviously getting people to part with that much money maybe for a battery powered watch because they only do battery powered watches don't they uh that's that would be the big hurdle i think they'd have to go into sort of mechanical because i think it's the same audience isn't it you're talking people who are willing to spend you know five thousand pounds on a watch they're probably gonna be the same audience that appreciates horology and this craftsmanship and and everything to do with the, the super high levels of finishing that you get with a mechanical watch, which you just can't get with an electrical circuit, can you? Well, yeah, well, exactly, yeah. Because um, even Citizen has, mechan- they obviously own Miyota, they have the mechanical, they have that mechanical dive watch, I can't remember what it is, but that's, you know, in excess of $500. So I think they could really, really do it. But 
I mean, we we don't know the inner workings of the company. Maybe they have more than enough uh, watches that they make, and they're making more than enough money to. Uh, probably, probably. I mean, that the most expensive one I've seen was the o- Oceanus range, I think it is. Although I've never tried one. I think they were around a thousand. I think that's the most expensive. And then there's like a outside of G-Shock. If you're just talking the main like Casio lines. There's like a big drop then until you get to the next range, which is kind of the what like the ones I've got on here, which are substantially lower, tend to be like 300 and below depending on the model. So there's certainly a gap in their offerings from what I've seen. It'd be interesting to see if they could fill that. What do you think from what you've seen? What do you think's the best bang for buck watch that Casio make? Is it the one that you're wearing at the moment? Possibly, you know, it is possibly the the one I'm wearing. Either that or one of the dirt cheap digitals. That's what it's got to be. Either the like the A700 or one of the digitals that's got a good backlight because most of them have got a garbage backlight or one like this lineage just because it's packed full of features. It's got everything you could kind of need that would help you practically. And it also looks really good and it's really comfortable. And I don't mind that it's battery powered essentially or cell powered I guess because it's uh, solar as well. So, yeah, I this watch just feels like really good value for money. I feel great wearing it because I feel like I've got a parking. Well, it's only like 180 quid or something. We'll talk through the specs because if anybody's not, and I honestly, I not, this is one of the things with your channel is you highlight these watches that I don't think anybody else is really focusing on. Certainly that, that, uh, that I've seen, but just, I mean, that, that watch has got in, insane specs, hasn't it? Just. Would you mind oh, just going absolutely. This is this is my this is my talent. You see, Sam, finding these obscure watches with really good specs that no one's ever talked about. <laughs> uh, so this one has, let me think, solar powered. It's got radio control functionality, so it synchronizes with the atomic clock, so it's like perfectly accurate. There's alarms. There's countdown timers. There's in fact, let me even go through. You can see the power level meter on it. World time. God, I can't even remember because there's that many. How bad's that? And then there's there is a few more as well. It's got like an LED backlight on it, which is not the greatest, to be fair. Uh, but overall, it's got reasonable water performance. Sapphire crystal. I'm pretty sure it was sapphire. Yep, yeah. sapphire crystal as well. What more can you ask for for that sort of price outside of a mechanical movement? If you wanted one of them, but good luck getting them features with a automatic watch. Yeah. So and and how much is it? 180. At the time of making that video, I think it was retailing for about 180 on Amazon at least, uh, which isn't bad. I think it's gone up to about 220 since making the video, but um, it'll probably come back, back down over time. It's just because they have the adaptive pricing, don't they, yeah. on loads of these sites now. So inevitably when it gets popular, then uh, the price goes up at least for a short term. Yeah, and it's fully fully titanium with a titanium bracelet yes. oh, as well. Oh, sorry, completely forgot about the material. Yeah, fully titanium, titanium uh, bracelet. It might scratch a bit easier than steel, but for me, it's worth a trade-off, to be fair, especially for a Casio. You're not going to be cradling this like it's a Rolex, are you? So it doesn't matter if it gets a few scuffs. I'd rather take the lightweightness. You know, you don't get a custom bracelet fitted end links or even on that Omega that's like nine grand. Oh, there you go. No. <laughs> yeah, so this has been like a fascinating. Uh, Casio's not what... I mean, I cover that Juro just because... How can you not? I mean, the va- the value prop on those is... Like... It's a £140 watch for £40, essentially, yeah. in the US at least. 
Yeah, it's it's incredible. And then I hope that they do, Casio does kind of seize the day. Even that G-Shock, that one that's affectionately called the Casio, I feel like they stumbled into that one. I don't think they realised how popular. I'm not sure they intended on it. No, I'm not sure they intended on it. I, I found another edifice watch that looks maybe even more like the Royal Oak, which I'm sure you'll see on the channel at some point, that that's like a much thinner one, actually. It's not, it's not bad compared to the massive thickness of the Casio Oak. But yeah, I agree. I think they definitely stumbled into that. I'm not sure that was intentional because it's just so much bigger, isn't it? Yeah. It, than, a, than a Royal Oak. It's enormous. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's thin... It, it's thin for a G-Shock, but it's definitely thicker than the AP Royal Oak. But it, it, I like the way that, I mean, they sort of seized on it a little bit. I suppose I should give them some credit because they did make a metal version because the originals were G-Shock, sort of the rubber G-Shock material. But And then suddenly AliExpress was like covered in aftermarket in the, kits. the kits, yeah. <laughs> we could custom your own one, yeah. And it was a lot cheaper. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I, I don't understand um, the G-Shock, the ones that they make um, that are metal. They seem to be quite expensive, don't they? So it kind of encourages oh, yeah. people down there. They're, they're, maybe that's what they're trying to do with that gap, like I mentioned before, in the repertoire. Maybe that's why they're making them more metal, to try and fill that space with some that are worth, like, in some cases, up to five, six hundred pounds. Yeah. Which is crazy, isn't it? But um, I have found there is another Casio, like a not a G-Shock, but it's one of these regular brand Casios that looks a lot like a G-Shock that's got metal on it around the outside and the rubber sort of shock inner. And it's about 50 pounds. <laughs> and it looks just like a metal G-Shock. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yes, yeah. Only thing it's um, missing is the G-Shock logo, essentially, from what I can tell. I guess it probably doesn't have exactly the same technology inside and all the uh, bits and bobs but it's as close as anyone would need to unless you fancy like cliff diving or, or something i suppose this uh, episode was a bit of a love letter to casio as well i know we've given them a little bit of a hard time but it, it, it i think it's just the best way to get into watches because the quality's there the price you buy a whole range of them for for one like other cheap watch not even a luxury watch you can for the cost of one other cheap watch you can buy like five of them yeah, absolutely. And it's un- unbeatable value. I can't think of a, a better company. And they seem reasonably ethical, apart from some of the construction in China, obviously, which is never going to be super ethical. But uh, oh, they're all at it anyway, aren't they? So you can't exactly um, compare them. I still think overall they offer the best value, and they're not lying in the marketing either. No, they're not at all. Yeah, and if this G-Shock that my... Uh, just G-Shock, this Casio that my granddad... Had. I mean, that's it, a small G-Shock, Sam. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but this, uh, I mean, this, uh, I mean, this, uh, you know, outlived outlived my grandfather. I mean, he had it up until, uh, you know, and he absolutely. I mean, I, I remember him. This was not uh, a draw, you know, a draw kind of uh, watch. He wore this every single day, and it's even got one of those what you would think of the cheap bracelets on it. But it's probably lasted certainly longer than there. Uh, I imagine a lot of other brands. But yeah, I mean, that's been really interesting. Uh, a bit of a love letter to Casio. And guys, we'd love to know what you think. What was your first Casio or your first watch? And do you still have it? Because I certainly don't still have mine. I still have mine. My first Casio. Oh, it's wow. a terrible Casio, to be fair. That one is some hideous boys Casio that my mum got me when I was a kid. Oh, and it's cool. awful. Yeah. I should imagine I featured that one on the channel. I'm not sure that one would get 100,000 views, would it? <laughs> well, <laughs> 100 um, views. 
Yeah, one of the things I'm going to have to be very careful with after this episode is not to search online for, like, the remote control watch. Because I'll be able to find one on eBay, and then I'll just be obsessed about them, or I'll, I'll end up with a load of old Casio watches. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Ben, I really appreciate you uh, joining us on this episode. Cheers, Sam. Thank you so much for having me in the, in the Casio celebration, shall we say, from your number one fa- Casio fanboy right here. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll really appreciate you uh, listening and watching, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.